Turn your Bibles again to John's first epistle, the first chapter, Shredding the Past. Most all of you remember the story of Bernie Madoff, who literally made off with all the money. He was running a Ponzi scheme, a shell game, collecting a lot of money from a lot of folks, paying back a few folks to fool all folks, and putting most of the money in his own pocket. As the FBI was closing in on his case, Madoff ordered 50 boxes of documents to be taken from his Manhattan office to a, to a warehouse in Queens where they were shredded. It was a massive shredding operation. As the FBI were closing in on this case, Keith Kelly said that apparently Madoff planned to destroy all the evidence. What was in those 50 boxes? Even the FBI couldn't put them back together. We don't know. We never found out, said Kelly. In fact, he said this case, this particular case, was so document sensitive that had Madoff had time to shred all the evidence, it would have been very, very difficult to form a case against him. Madoff confessed to his sons that the family's financial house of cards was about to fall. He asked his sons to go to the authorities to cover their own necks. Go in one week. I have some loose ends to take care of, he said. Madoff's sons, however, ignored their father's request and went immediately to the FBI. The FBI agents arrived at the 17th floor and Madoff's men were in the midst of a massive shredding operation. At the time, Bernie Madoff had $600 million in his bank account, but is presently serving a 150-year sentence at a medium security facility in North Carolina. Madoff, Madoff for the money because of the botched timing of his boys ratting on him too early. Well, they didn't get to shred all the evidence. When someone says there wasn't a shred of evidence, what do they mean? They mean the fingerprints couldn't be found. They mean the cookie crumbs were not on the kid's face. You couldn't tie someone to the crime or to the cookie. There's not enough evidence, you might think. Which raises the question, are there any official guidelines that make shredding adequate? Is there a way to shred things that makes sure the evidence will never be seen Again, HIPAA and other guidelines say that when shredding personal documents, they must be shredded in small enough pieces that they cannot be pieced back together again. You better be careful. 2012 Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, well, the confetti at that parade was made out of police documents that had been shredded, but not shredded small enough, and people were beginning to piece together the personal information. Like you're standing there at the Macy's parade, and you see the word Gary. Well, yours says Jones. Which Gary Jones? Not the one. Yes, Oakdale. They put it all together. Well, what did he do? They glued together, pieced back together the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade confetti to find out the crimes of their neighbors. Be careful when you shred. You need to check your shredder. If your shredder only goes up and down, it is inadequate. You, it, it must go up and down and crossways. I checked the church's shredder and it goes up and down and crossways. So any documents you have with us, when they're shredded, you are completely, completely saved. 
Shredding the evidence. How do we shred the evidence so there is not a shred of evidence when they come looking? Well, how do we get rid, how do we shred, how do we destroy the record of our past personal failures? First of all, it would be easiest if we had no past to cover up, if we had never done any wrong, if we had always in every way behaved flawlessly, if we say nothing wrong, if we never lie, if we never hurt anyone that we love with our words, if we never speak before thinking, perhaps to be safe, never speak at all, think nothing wrong, keep our thoughts wholesome, our minds upright, our imaginations unused, commit no offense or transgression, keep the slate clean, keep the hard drive empty, be perfect like your heavenly Father is perfect. But according to John, that's not the reality before us. Look at 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And then he adds that beautiful line, and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. Look at verse 8. If we say that we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. The first thing I want you to see this morning from this little letter from John is we have all sinned and we've all gone our way instead of God's way. We have all sinned and we all have gone our way instead of God's way. As I share the gospel with children in my office, the theological concept that confuses them and trips them up the most is the idea of sin. What is a sin? When we go our way instead of God's way. We're raising a generation that makes mistakes and has accidents and misunderstandings, but they live in a culture of excuses, and it's always someone else's fault. We live in a culture of denial. John says it two different ways in this epistle. The reality is we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. One time I was asking the a child about sin, make sure the child understood the universal nature of sin. And so I said, well, yeah, that's right. Sin's when we disobey God. And I said, who has sinned? And I said, have I sinned? The child said, yes, that her pastor had sinned. And then I said, well, have you sinned? She said, yes, that she had sinned. And then I said, well, has your father sinned? Mother and daddy were sitting outside the office. Yes, my father has sinned. Has your mother sinned? Oh, no, she said, not, not my mother, <laughs> not my mother. Dad, straight under the bus, but <laughs> not mom. Well, John's telling us even mom has sinned. He says it two different ways in verse 8. If we say we have no sin, I want you to see the word have there. When we have this construction in John's writing, to have, it is followed by an abstract noun. Let me give you examples. To have fellowship is written in John, to have joy, to have confidence, to have life, John 3, 15, John 5, 12. So when we have this construction of the verbal with to have, with an abstract noun, it is a generalness of the quality. 
In other words, from that first section there, when he says in verse 8, if we say that we have no sin, he's not necessarily at this point speaking of our own wrongful acts. He's talking about Adam's sin. We all have sin. We are born into sin. Like you can have joy or confidence in life and the letters and gospel of John, you have, you are born into, you arrive into this world in the quality of your being of sharing the sins of Adam. When Adam sinned, we all fell with him. Paul himself writes, in Adam all die. Those to whom John were writing, they were denying that sin even mattered. They said, flesh is flesh and spirit is spirit, so what we do with our flesh doesn't really even matter. Uh, sin is not important because we live in the spirit now that we live with the Holy Spirit of the Christ. And, and John is saying, no. Not only do you have the nature of sin, and then verse 10, you have committed specific acts of sin. Look at verse, verse 10, what he says. If we say that we have not sinned, now sinned particular acts in our own life, we make him out to be a liar. If we say we have not sinned, someone's about to object to whom John is writing, hey, I don't have any sin. Sin doesn't matter anyway. What have I done? They're about to protest. John is saying, not only do we have a sinful nature, in verse 8, in verse 10, he says that each of us has specific destructive acts of sin in our own life. Every one of us. If we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves. We are self-deceived if we deny Adam's sinful nature in verse 10. If we say we don't have specific acts of sin, then we are we're making God to be a liar because God says we've all sinned. The idea that everyone has sinned is a universal biblical idea. In 1 Kings 8, it says, there is no man who does not sin. In Psalm 14, it says, they have all turned aside together. They have become corrupt. There is no one who does not good, not even one. Proverbs 29 says, who can say, I have cleansed my heart. I am pure from my sin. The implication, of course, is no one can say that. Ecclesiastes 7.20. Indeed, there is not a righteous man on earth who continually does good and who never sins. There's not anyone who doesn't sometimes sin. Isaiah 53.6 says, all we like sheep have gone astray. Each one of us has turned to his own way. Or famously, Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We've all sinned. And we make God out to be a liar when we say we haven't sinned. Because God's holy verdict is that you're guilty and I'm guilty and all who have ever been created are guilty. One survey recently found that only 57% of people think that everyone has sinned. Only 57% of people out in the world would say everyone is a sinner. In fact, one-third of people will say they themselves have made the mistakes, the mistakes, but they really haven't sinned. I found one fellow who wrote, the day I die, I should not look up to heaven and say, forgive me. I will just say, receive me, because there's nothing I need to be forgiven for. The one thing I'm absolutely certain about this morning is I'm speaking and preaching 
here in this room and by way of television to thousands, literally tens of thousands of sinners. What we have this morning is a sinner speaking to other sinners. That's what John says we have happening this morning. There's not a person this morning in this sanctuary. There's not a person watching by way of television this morning who does not know sin. You know the nature of sin and you know specific acts of sin. All of us. There's not one of you who's not a sinner. You and I are alike. We have participated with all of humanity in saying, as Paul has said, that we have all sinned and we all fall short of the glory of God. If we say we have not sinned, the truth of God is not within us. We're making God to be a liar, for God has said that we've all sinned. We're filled with greed, lust, lies, deception, pride, gluttony, laziness, hate for brother or sister of humanity. I don't know what your sins are, but somewhere amongst that menu of waywardness, there are those that belong to you. If you're here this morning, and you think somehow you're above the rest of us because you haven't sinned, I'm here to tell you right now, in fact, God is here to tell you right now in his word that you too are a sinner. No one can hold their head high. We're all sinners before a holy God. Secondly, not only have we sinned, but we need to confess our sins. Look at verse 9. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Instead of trying to deny our sins, conversely, we need to be honest. We need to come to God and we need to confess our sins that we are wayward and we are sinners. In fact, we confess our sins, we bring out two attributes of God the Father. First of all, we bring out His faithfulness. If we confess our sins, He is faithful. And secondly, we bring out His righteousness. The idea of God and God's faithfulness is tied to his covenant relationship with his people. In fact, listen to Psalm 89. I will sing of the loving kindness of the Lord forever. To all generations, I will make known thy faithfulness with my mouth. For I have said loving kindness will be built up forever. In the heavens, you will establish your faithfulness. I have made a covenant with my chosen. When we confess our sins, we show, we demonstrate, we highlight the faithfulness of God. And in that faithfulness means God will do whatever God needs to do to be sure he continued to have a relationship with his people. Like he did with ancient Israel when they broke the covenant. Jeremiah 31, 34, I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. Forgiveness is part of that faithful nature of God that nature he has to continue a relationship with his people, be it ancient Israel or the church, all of God's people. Secondly, we bring into focus his righteousness, not only his faithfulness, but his righteousness. God wants to be faithful in his relationship to us, but also by God's very nature, God is righteous. Look at, the, look at 2 verse 1. Look at chapter 2 verse 1. Not only is God righteous, notice at the very end. Jesus Christ, the righteous. God is righteous. You bring forth God's faithfulness and his righteousness when you confess your sins. And then he tells us in chapter 2 that Jesus Christ is the righteous one. All have sinned. Secondly, we must confess our sins. 
And thirdly, and best of all, we are cleansed from our sins through the blood of Jesus. We are cleansed from our sins through the blood of Jesus. How is it that God can be both faithful, that is, try to seek to continue a covenant relationship with his people, and how is it God can also be righteous? You see, God's very nature means he can't forget our sin or sweep our sin under the rug. Our sins must be paid for. He can't look the other way. He can't cheat and change the record. God is righteous and Christ is righteous. God can't say that my sin or your sin is no big deal. It's a really big deal to God. The only way that God can be both faithful and righteous is through the death of his son, the spilt blood of Jesus on the cross. Look back up at verse 7 of chapter 1. But if we walk in the light, as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. That's tonight's Lord's Supper, isn't it? The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin, does it not? It's on the cross, they had the combination of God's righteousness. God's wrath has to leash out against my sin and your sin. And lucky for me, fortunate for you, our sins are on the back of the Christ rather than our own back on that cross during the crucifixion. And he who knew no sin was made to be sin for us. On the cross, we see the greatest love of our God that he's faithful. He wants a relationship with us. And his own son was crucified that through the blood of Jesus, our sins could be forgiven and forgotten. Look at verse 9. It says it again. If we confess, he cleanses us. If we confess, he cleanses us. If we confess, he forgives. If we confess, two things happen. He forgives us and then he cleanses us of our sin. Look at chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. And he himself is the propitiation. That's the language of payment. And Luke's gospel is a clear parable that it means payment. He himself is a payment of our sins. The one who's forgiven the greatest debt loves the most. Not only yours, ours, but for the whole world as well. He satisfies our account with God through the death and the blood of Jesus. First of all, to forgive means he lets our sins go. It means to release they are propitiated. They are paid for. Our debt has been canceled. Christ has taken your place on the cross. If you're watching by way of television this morning, Christ died instead of you dying. He took your place. He took my place. God placed your sin on the back of his son that God could be both faithful and God could also be righteous. But not only are we forgiven, we're also cleansed. It's the language of removing a stain. Look at verse 9. Forgive us for our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I don't know what sin lingers in your past. Adultery, pride, selfishness, gossip. I don't know, but God knows. And God says if we confess our sins, he forgives us 
and cleanses us. I don't know what's weighing you down this morning. Maybe it's an abortion that very few of us know about in the past. Something you continue to carry with you and Satan continually places on your back. Hear the words of John. If we confess, he forgives and he cleanses and it is shredded as if it never happened. The record is clear because the Christ on the cross. I don't know if you've ever had a stained garment. I have a hard time getting stains out. I I rub really hard, and I think if I rub harder, it'll come out. And if I rub harder, I end up with a a holy garment. It's what I end up with at the end of the story. But I'm not the only one that can't get stains out. I've discovered that dry cleaners can't get stains out either. In fact, you ever take a tie in it with a stain on it, and you go to pick it up? You're so excited. It's in the little plastic bag, and... They just gave you back your stained tie in a plastic bag. That's all that happened. And I'm like, you know, I could have put my own stained tie in a plastic bag. I didn't need to pay you four bucks to take my stain and put it in a plastic bag. We're, we're at the same place we started in this equation. You see, stains sometimes are really, really hard to get out. Are they not? Not for God. Not for the blood of Jesus. If we confess our sins, God is faithful. He wants a continued relationship with this covenant people. God is righteous. He will not overlook your sin. Rather, he will take your sin to the cross of his Christ. God will forgive us our sins, and God will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God cleanses us. What stain is in your past? stain of a broken relationship with a son or a daughter, a stain of hate, a stain of envy, a stain of lust, a stain of greed, a stain of disloyalty to a friend, a stain of theft, stealing someone's idea, taking credit that didn't belong to you, a stain of jealousy, a stain of deceit. They're all there. If we say we don't have a sinful nature, If we claim that we've not committed acts of sin, then we're making God a liar because God says you're a sinner and you need a Savior. He's provided you that Savior in Christ. This morning, I've got the very best news in all the world for you. This is the best news in all the world for me. God is willing to shred the evidence. God is willing to cleanse us from our sins. God is willing this morning to forgive and forget. God will say, I'll remove their sins as far as the east is from the west. I will remember their sins no more. Some of you here this morning and some watching by way of television, you've carried sin for a long time. And Satan has told you, you can't forget about that sin. Maybe you've tried to get rid of that sin by your own power, your own might, your own psychology. But no, this morning the message from John the Apostle is to bring your sin to the cross. You are cleansed by the blood of Jesus. Some of you today need to mark down this day right there in your Bible. You need to write, this is the day that I've chosen to be forgiven. This is the day that I've decided to take my own sin to the cross, to lay it there, to be cleansed by the blood of the crucified Christ because God is faithful and God is righteous. And if I confess my sins, he is faithful, he is just, and he will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Last thing the enemy wants this morning is for you to walk out of here feeling forgiven. 
He wants to put that old sin on your back. You've let that sin destroy your life in the past, and he wants to make sure your sin destroys your life in the future. You don't have to. He is faithful. He is just to cleanse us from all sin. Let us pray. Oh God, there are some here this morning. They've been trying to work through their own salvation. They've tried to use psychological aids to forget the sin. God, they've tried to use good merits or good works to overcome the bank account with God. God, all you've asked us to do is to bring those sins to the foot of the cross and let the the blood of our sweet Jesus drip on those sins and pay for them. Father, some here this morning in this room who need to write down today is a day they have chosen, not because of their own goodness, but because of the goodness of God and the faithfulness of Christ. They have chosen today to be forgiven, to let it go, to shred all the evidence so there's not a shred of evidence of our guilt. Oh, God, you want us to have freedom of being your cleansed and redeemed people. You have given us the gift of your Son. And we must ask, we must confess, and we must claim. Amen.